happy Wednesday, everyone, and welcome back to Truck Tech after a week off for me. Um, we're happy to be back with you with uh, some new stuff to talk about today. We're going to delve into the hype cycle surrounding autonomous trucking as well as electrification. And uh, the hype cycle comes from our friends at Gartner Incorporated, and we will be visiting with uh, Mike Ramsey, who's the C uh, vice president and uh, analysts over there in the mobility space. Uh, before that, however, we want to get to a few headlines. And uh, let's go right there now to do that, shall we? All right. So here we are, uh, Daimler, Daimler Truck in Germany and Siemens, another German uh, automotive supplier, as well as the maker of many different uh, technologies, are working together on a software program that will allow uh, Daimler to explore commercial vehicle development uh, and innovation while making uh, these things more efficient. It'll be rolled out globally across Daimler Charts engineering hubs, its brands, and business segments. And another one from Daimler, much closer to home, Daimler Truck uh, North America and its plant in Mount Holly, North Carolina, is commemorating the 750,000th truck built there. It is a uh, medium-duty uh, uh, EM2, uh, excuse me, not electric, but an M2, 106 Plus. This is a a new iteration of their medium duties that are debuting now. Uh, it was just three years ago that uh, the Cleveland to North Carolina plant that makes Freightliner Cascadia's uh, celebrated the same milestone, 750,000 Cascadia's built there since July of 2020. Uh, the one at that time went to UPS. Finally, Highland Holdings has three new board members replacing two who have left, including former Transportation Secretary Elaine Chow, but we shouldn't worry too much there because they still have a former transportation secretary on the board at Andrew Card. Uh, but one of the replacements is interesting because he brings more expertise and knowledge from Cummins uh, to to Hylion, which is uh, working with Cummins on its uh, a natural gas uh, engine certification for the hypertruck. Uh, Richard Freeland, former president and chief operating officer, uh, is now on the board, and he joins former McKinsey consultant. Roger Bohm and Rowan Company's Executive Vice President Melanie Montague uh, on the board with Freelift. Um, and so you can uh, see the three of them there. Okay, it is great to, in, uh, to invite in Mike Ramsey, our guest today. Mike is, as I said, a Vice President and Analyst for Gartner Incorporated. Uh, he's a key initiative leader uh, for the Manufacturing Digital Transformation and Innovation Group. His coverage includes smart mobility, the evolution of automotive and transportation industries, uh, and that includes the digital ecosystems. He also tracks the rise of vehicle autonomy, connected vehicles, new business models, advanced technologies, and how they all, how the connected vehicle data can be used to make money. Uh, prior to joining Gartner seven years ago, uh, Mike spent a decade writing about the automotive industry at Bloomberg and at the Wall Street Journal. Uh, Mike and I, as it turns out, are fellow Bobcats from Ohio University in Athens. And though I think I was probably there a few years before him, Mike, welcome to Truck Tech. Hey, nice to be here. Then I just realized from looking at that picture, that's like a younger version of me. So no, that's okay. We all, you know what? I'm not. Nope. You're welcome to it, brother. Uh, great to have you here. I did. I maybe I knew that we did go to OU, and maybe I didn't, but we we did, and that's a, that's a good thing. Good journalism school. Yeah. Oh, Bobcats. How about that? I'm excited. Nothing much. I love with yeah. Nothing much. Howard's the great college town. Was yes, it is. Yes, it is. And we could talk Halloween, but we should move on. Um, I am yes. uh, really glad to have you. I I think the time for this 
particular topic is is rife, um, given that we are seeing so many headlines, uh, negative headlines, really around some of these uh, developing companies, startups, and and so forth. And it got me thinking about uh, one aspect of what you do, which is the trough of disillusionment. That is one of the best phrases ever. <laughs> and uh, I just what I'd like you to do as as we get started, if you don't mind, is let's talk about the Gartner hype cycle. Um, I think there's five pieces to it. Maybe you could take us through that before we get too far into this. Yeah, I mean, so one of one of Gartner's key platforms uh, or key products really is the hype cycle, and the hype cycle is not. It, it's like a. It, it's literally a shape, right? And it's a product in terms of we put them out, and we we do almost two hundred variants of this every year. They cover so many different industry segments. But before we even talk about the sections of the hype cycle, a really important thing to, to know about it is that the technologies themselves that go on the hype cycle are not attached to any individual hype cycle. Okay, so they, they exist on their own and they, they can be on a bunch of different hype cycles. So something like 5G or you know, chat GPT might show up in five hype cycles or 20 hype cycles, right? So um, so the, the technologies exist independently from the cycle itself. That's the first thing to say. The second is that what it is, is a shape that tracks what we think happens with a lot of technologies. There's the innovation trigger. That's the first part. This is when technologies just kind of come onto the scene where we, they're either extremely new in adoption or they're not even out of a university setting or a lab setting, a proof of concept setting. Um, and only the really, uh, you know, deep part of the, you know, engineering ecosystem even knows that it's there or some thought leaders. Then what happens is it, it gradually moves up very steep, you know, slope. It moves up to the peak of inflated expectations. So when you have said something is, reached peak hype, whether you knew it came from Gartner or not, it is usually related to this hype cycle where something has hit the peak of hype is at the top of the hype cycle. It's very, you know, uh, and there's a lot of things that a lot of technologies that have obviously hit it. Um, 2015 or 16, I'm not exactly sure off the top of my head. I think it was 15 we said the automotive vehicle or autonomous vehicles hit the peak of hype. I think we probably got it early because I think the peak was probably 16, not 15, but close enough, you know, uh, where the energy was very high. You had a huge proliferation of vendors and investment money, which are two of the key elements to, to being on the peak of hype. And what what we try to say with the hype cycle is that it's not about how good the idea is or even how advanced that technology is. It's that the hype precedes its productivity in the market by a lot, sometimes by 10 years or more. Um, and so with autonomous vehicles, in 2015 or 16, we had a massive proliferation right, of money and interest in autonomous vehicles, but it was going to be probably more than 10 years before we actually have some production from that. So what happens next? Once people realize that it's going to take a lot longer to actually do the things that we said 
are going to happen, we hit the trough of disillusionment, right? So this is that, that's the whole point. Now, all those businesses that were heavily capitalized, all the proliferation of vendors, it starts consolidation. There's a turn in negative reporting. So guys like you were writing about it when it was super cool. You're like, wait a second. Uh, so all these companies are going to go out of business. And we've seen that over the past several years. And if you look on our hype cycle, autonomous vehicles is that it's actually past the very bottom of the traffic trough of disillusionment. It's a little bit past it. Meaning, even though things are dark, you know, and they are dark in a lot of ways, it's also a sign that in the trough of disillusionment that you see continued engineering progress. So while there's consolidation, that's actually often good for the engineering progress and talent aggregation for the companies that can make it. So we get to the end of the trough of disillusionment, and then there is uh, the slope of enlightenment. I like the name of that one too. This is when people start to actually use the technology. Okay, so we've we've now moved out of the trough, and we get into wait a second, we can actually use this technology a little bit. Maybe not in the way. No, no. By the way, the way this the hype cycle works, we never get to the peak of hype. Right, like. The hype is always highest at the peak. And once people actually use the technology, they know it's not hyped anymore, right? So once it becomes useful, it, it hits, it goes up the slope, and then we it, it goes to the last stage, which is the plateau of productivity. And once a technology hits the plateau of productivity, we kind of stop talking about it because it's in the market, right? It's a regular thing. And um, so I, I love the hype cycle because one, it's a great way of talking about technologies, you know, what is out there. And two, it gives us a sense of, of maturity. We can talk about where it is on the hype cycle. And that tells you a little bit about how mature it is, how close is it to actual commercialization. So, so Mike has done a, a good job of, of explaining these great terms that take us past the 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 hype of a technology and gets us into what is actually happening when does it become productive when is it something that we can actually count on using and then ultimately the hype goes away and we're into the productivity so we'll try to get mike back and uh, talk some more i'm sorry we lost you there for just a minute but it gives you a chance to catch your breath those are some amazing terms that you threw out there thank you for the descriptions i think this is a great tutorial uh, one I've never been through, uh, honestly. So it was, uh, it was good to do that. Let, let me move us over, if I could, to sort of some applications, if you will. Um, I'm going to throw a few names at you, and I don't know how Gardner feels about you talking about specific companies. I know you have in the past when I've called you. But here's a few names of electrification and autonomous startups that have you know more or less disappeared or been absorbed by other companies during this, if we apply them to the hype cycle. You got Romeo Power purchased by Nikola, not going that well, Electric Glass Mile Systems, bankruptcy, Borsell Motors by Foxconn, XL Fleet by the Shift Group, and Velodyne Lionar by Alster. Uh, all of those were heavily hyped. They were SPACs, and we can get into SPAC later if we have time, but kind of put them on, help me understand where they belong. Are they the washouts at this point uh, of, of the, um, on the hype cycle? Well, I mean, you know, 
you don't want to be unfair to anybody, but one thing that the hype cycle would tell you is that there's going to be consolidation. I mean, that the peak of hype is dictated almost by a, a certain expansion of investment and companies jumping in. And in the end, the market can only support a handful of companies. So we know there's going to be consolidation. And that's what happened, right? Like, so we've seen that. And there's been more since then. It'll be more in the future. There's other companies in autonomy, of course. We saw Ford give up on Argo.ai. And, and there's been others that have either changed their business model or quietly gone out of business. And I, I don't know the final list of companies that will be successful. Oh, I mean, we all don't know exactly who that's going to be, but there'll be fewer of it. And that's the well, case pretty much every technology. Sure. Okay. Well, the ones I mentioned are, you know, they, they may be living on under another name or they may not be living on at all. Here's a couple that are on the bubble, Embark Trucks, which, you know, announced a 70% reduction in force a few weeks ago and probably is liquidating its technology if it can find buyers. And and then, uh, you know, we, we just went through this with Locomation, which was pursuing, you know, sort of that, that platooning business, not working so well. Again, you know that we focus here on trucks. I want to give you a chance to talk about the car business later. But, you know, I, I think, you know, there's a couple that are on the bubble. So, I again, I don't know how they fit. Are they, you know, I've read about the shakeout. There clearly is one underway, right? Um, yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, that, uh, first of all, like, I, I think that there there's a reason why I, I talk about this a bit with some clients about um, LIDAR, right? LIDAR is the hot, was a hot tech. It had tons of investment. There was at one point 60 to 100 different LIDAR makers, depending on the US. I don't think that we've ever gotten a really good definitive number. And um, the truth is there really aren't enough applications to support anywhere close to that volume of manufacturers, right? Um, and so when you look at radar, millimeter wave radar, how many companies produce millimeter wave radar for the automotive industry? Probably fewer than 10. And they are the companies that you know and love. They are Aptiv and they are Bosch and Dinso and uh, the Magna. They are major integrators. And what happens, they may not have started off with that technology. Essentially, they acquired over time and it became commoditized product. I think that you will see something very similar occur. There may be some new players that exist and they can continue to become a new supplier of a new component, but it's very likely that the vast majority of the auto suppliers out there are going to be consolidating a lot of these technology companies as they get less and less expensive. Okay, so let's go with your number of less than 10, and let's talk about uh, Class A trucking autonomy. Right now, I'm going to list off Aurora Innovation, Waymo Via, both of which started in the passenger robotaxi business. Then you've got Torque Robotics, which is essentially an independent subsidiary of Daimler Truck. You've got Too Simple, and you've got Kodiak Robotics. I mean, yes, there's others out there, but those are the ones that would seem to be farthest along. Is it fair for me to ask you, and if it isn't, I'm going to do it anyway. Is it fair for me to ask you, are they all survivors of this? Or is this, are, are one or two of them going to fall by the wayside as we get closer to commercialization? Um, I, I mean, I, I feel pretty common in saying that many of them will fall to the wayside. 
Um, I don't know which ones and I don't, you know, the other thing, I think it's about this technology, especially in autonomy, we're talking about uh, an incredibly difficult situation in trying to determine who has the best technology. The best technology isn't even everything, right? You have to have business relationships. You have to have capitalization. You have to have really smart leadership. All those things play a role, right? Like, you, you know, not always the best technology wins. There's lots of examples of that not being the case. Um, and so I don't know who is going to be it, but there, in truth, it is, it is likely that this type of software is going to consolidate down to a handful of providers because it's so difficult to produce and so difficult to maintain over time, right? At, at scale across a large area, I think it's likely that we'll end up with, I'm not going to say one or two, but four or five is likely to be the final number of software platforms supporting and maybe less. The other thing about the, these software platforms is there's going out of business is not the only choice, right? A lot of companies have chosen to change their business model rather than go out of business. They become consultants to help companies transition to autonomy. They become operators, right? They We know a lot about autonomous vehicles, so we can operate autonomous vehicles. Or they, they stay with the software and technology route and we become suppliers of the technology. So I, I think that that is also a solution to the what's going to happen to these companies. It's not just that they're going to go out of business. Well, and, and, and one of the sort of dichotomies I think that that exists is, you know, when you look at Embark, Embark and Kodiak, for example, are software developers. They don't have tr truck partners per se. They don't have anybody building a redundant chassis for them that, you know, that they will integrate with. And yet, you know, Kodiak seems to be reasonably healthy right now. As best we can tell, they never went back. So there's no public numbers on them um, other than the couple of raises that they've done. But, uh, you know, you've got this uh, partnership thing where you need somebody who's going to provide that, you know, baseline for you. You know, Stavatsis did it, uh, you know, with, uh, you know, with its software, uh, excuse me, with its hardware, they they made their chassis so anybody could basically add on to it, right? And and I think that the, the, the same is true uh, on, on the passenger side with Toyota. But I, I guess I'm I'm wondering, you know, when we again, this probably doesn't even address the hype cycle because these so far are the survivors, Mike. Right? I mean, they're the ones that are still out there. Um, you know, do they? As you said, you're coming off of the the bottom of the trough now and starting to inch back up into this sort of productionization, if you will. Um, any thoughts on who gets to, who gets there? I mean, I I just spent uh, time at Too Simple last week, for example, and have been writing about that. Yeah. They want to do, uh, you know, an actual commercial route next year in Arizona, which they've already done on a pilot basis, uh, you know, presumably yeah. to make money. Well, gosh, I, I so, Alan, I'm going to cheat. I'm just not going to answer who is going to make it other than, I can quote you down the road and maybe you'll say who is capitalized, mm -hmm. who has good partnerships, yep. who has the ability to have commercial partnerships with manufacturers at, um, at scale. So if you look at the companies that have good commercial partnerships 
with the manufacturers, the guys, your your friends at Daimler, your friends at Volvo Trucks, you know, um, those are going to be key, right? To uh, they they've got to be able to integrate the technology. A. B. You have to be extremely well capitalized because it's still a money losing business for a while. Um, and C. You have to have the commercial agreements with the operators, right? Like, what is the um, what is the end game for a software technology company? Do they really want to be in the logistics business? They don't, or they shouldn't. You know, if they do, then they're silly. They should be in the software business or in the technology business and let the logistics companies, the three PLs, you know, figure out how to you know run the rest of the business, and they should be selling the technology. So, what is the ecosystem there? They need to have a vehicle that has the technology on it. Uh, they need an operator who operates the technology to run logistics, and then they need you know, shippers who are like, we want to run this technology. And by shippers, I mean, Walmart, you know, like all the the CPG companies or retailers that are, are trying to move stuff. So the companies that have that best ecosystem, the companies that have a manufacturer set up good capital, you know, those are the companies that will survive. The ones that have a real weakness in one of them are likely to fall apart. So I can draw a line to some of the guys you mentioned have done a really good job with partnerships, but you still kind of wonder who are, you know, how are they going to make this work from an operations standpoint? Is too simple really going to be running logistics? Is that going to be their plan is to be a logistics company? You know, if that's the plan, they should just, you know, eventually it, it draws the question why they're investing so much money in their technology of operating a vehicle maybe they should just be a logistics company that specializes i think the autonomous i think what you what you've described actually in in the the hype cycle is this idea of reorienting the business case right i mean uh, too simple was running a lot of freight losing a lot of money doing it and decided finally wait a minute we don't need to do this anymore let's go back to r d let's focus on that route that we know very well let's find some customers and let's start on a couple of dedicated routes where we can get some density and uh, ideally, you know, move some freight for people, but not as sort of a free capacity, right? That's what's look, going on there. The, the ecosystem, look, uh, autonomous trucking will work like this in the bit, in the end. I'm not saying this is the only way that this will work, but it's probably going to be like this. Okay. You're going to have a software provider. Let's call them Google. All right. Waymo whatever. They're going to sell a driver. Pretend right. it's a it's a thing, you know, like it like they're going to sell a driver as a piece of software and it goes it, it and we license it. It's 10 grand. Yep. Okay. They're going to say in order for you to operate this driver, you need to have a platform. We have these eight platforms that we have pre-verified from these right. manufacturers and they have to have this equipment on. Okay? So now I'm an operator. And I buy that truck and I have the Google driver in it. Okay. Yep. And then I have a ongoing software agreement with Google to download mapping information for update for software. You know, they're going to support it, but they're not, and they're going to provide supporting services. They're not running logistics, right? It's right. right, right. JBL. Yep. 
you know, or is it, you know what I mean? Like they're, 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 and so Volvo is saying, yeah, we're integrated with the Google driver. We're also integrated with the Aurora driver, the two simple driver, um, you know, and those guys, the Aurora, the two simple, they all have a market like approach that's slightly different. Like one of them's better right. long haul trucking, one of them's better for inner. See, that's how I see the market working well, because you need to have the manufacturer manufacturing stuff. Okay. They're really good at creating platforms, hardware, cameras, sensors, warranty. The software guys are like, we'll do the driver in the supporting services in the cloud. But you know, like I got to so die on a stop there. I, I, I'm so sorry. I got to stop there. We up. Uh, we did lose you for a minute there. We've also lost some time. So uh, I've got to I got to wrap it up here. Thank you so much for joining me. I want to continue this uh, in the future, especially as we see these uh, the, the 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 chart as we edge back up towards productivity. Love to have you back on. But I really appreciate having you today. And uh, folks, next week we will have uh, we talked about um, one of those. Uh, lidar companies will have alster and we'll have um and we'll have sam abbasamid from guidehouse insights to talk with uh angus bakula uh and uh, and me uh next week on truck tech and and on friday in the newsletter uh watch for some uh, leasing news that we're going to be uh, rounding up uh, around some of these electric trucks that are finding their way into penske and some of these other places so uh, thanks for joining us uh, have a great day and we'll see you next week